Best of Times live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning into our show. Also, thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. And also thanking those who might be listening via the Radio Pup application and the Keel application on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about writing your own stories. So stay tuned to the show for some very interesting and beneficial information. And we are broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in wonderful Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Remember, if you're unable to find a copy at one of our distribution locations, you can always go to our website at www.bebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our magazine, as well as to listen to previously broadcast radio shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour, as well as to download the current copy of the 2020 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. Remember to visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for upcoming events, activities, and news that you can use. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and A-Bears, tenant country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and A-Bears, Tunnel Country Road Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I have three wonderful guests today, part of my show, uh, Miss Sarah Sally Hammer, and, as well as Mr. Laird Evans and Miss Ashley Elston. Elston, is that it? Elston. That's it, Elston. Elston. So these are three wonderful authors and also lecturers and wonderful people here to kind of tell us about writing their own stories. So, so Sally, first of all, thank you again for writing another wonderful article oh, in the it's March an issue. Honor for me to be in your magazine. Thank you. Well, thank you. But you, we've already, I mean, this is just the seventh day of, of the month that we just released on the first, and I've already had a ton of comments. Oh, that's great. I haven't talked to Tina. I know she's got, she gets more than I do. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I spoke to several groups already, and they're, they're already heeding your advice. Oh, that's wonderful. And that's I'm wonderful thrilled thing. when I hear that, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because if we don't write their stories now, their own as well as their others, they're going to be lost, right? That's right. Every time a person dies, a library burns down. Good, good analogy. Mm-hmm. So, but but again, and you you gave it. I, I will compliment you. You you explained to the readers uh, some aspects on gathering those thoughts mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. and you don't have to be perfect. I love that. No. I had somebody to, uh, yesterday said, "Well, Gary, I'm not a good writer." So we don't have to even write. You can put it in a, 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 a your cell phone or record it or get one of your grandkids to help you. Well, when you're doing the writing to heal, which is the, what the article's about and what I'll be teaching at the, the uh, conference next week at LSUS, 
is more about expressing yourself. It's not about being writing something that could you could sell mm-hmm. or writing something that or, although it's, that, that might happen it certainly is an op- opportunity for someone but it's more about using writing as a a catharsis uh, dealing with problems you know when we're children everybody is bigger than we are <laughs> and we can be forced into things that we really don't want to do so when that that causes can certainly cause problems in our later life so the idea is to go back as an adult. As an adult, nobody can tell me what to do. <laughs> there are a lot of people who would like to tell me what to do. But the idea of being able to to deal with the childhood problems as from an adult's perspective hmm. is an amazing, yes. amazing uh, tool for us to, to, to feel better about ourselves. And it, it, it's good therapy. I'm just thinking of myself today when I was I was telling the, my uh, presenter, I hate to use a lot of my analogies here, but I used you as I'm telling these group of people that I have a lot of life stories about myself, my education, and what happened to me out the course of my life. And, and the one lady said, have you written down that for your grandkids? I says, yes. And I've just, I haven't expanded upon it, but I've had that question from my grandkids, you know, uh, Grandpa, why were why did you not how did why did you not go into music when I was accept, accepted for Juilliard? Why? And so now I'm writing down that I've told her a little bit, but now I'm explaining to her my choices. And it's been you know seventy well, sixty years ago, so that could happen. And one of these days you're going to give me that story, and I'm going to help you edit it and make it into make a book. It, make it because proof. you need to tell those stories. That's something that would be. Well, I'm Not just, just ha- for, the, for your children. I'm just happy to give it to my children, great grandchildren, <laughs> great grandchildren of the future, so they'll know how Grandpa made all these this and many other decisions, as well as my parents. And my, I was telling you, my father, luckily before he passed away thirty something years ago, we wrote forty four pages of history, a family history. Some of it is remarkable. I just read it about a year ago, and it's like, holy moly, why didn't I type this up like thirty years ago? And, and it's priceless yeah. because no one else remembers those things. True, that it's is true. all because of his story. So again, explain to our listeners in a nutshell why we should write and what we what should we write and when when should we do this. All right. Well, there are two different sides of this. The first one is the writing because you can't not write, writing stories because you love to, and that's what the three of us are. are uh, Ashley and I are both fiction writers, whereas Laird is more of a nonfiction writer, although he writes fiction pretty darn well, too. <laughs> so the idea of just writing because we love it, mm-hmm. and that's more what the conference is about, write your story. Okay. But then my section of it is the writing to heal, and that is more of the journaling to be able to to deal with, with emotional problems. And, and also, let, let's say you have a serious illness. I think journaling in that particular, it's an, it's an dealing with tool. cancer or dealing Absolutely. with other, uh, would, would, would help you, the individual in healing, but also help help the family members understand it. Because sometimes you can't express mm-hmm. it to them. You might, by eye contact, by verbal, but you're, you're writing more words, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And this doesn't have to be for publication. A lot of people, as as with the person that you spoke to, uh, didn't feel comfortable writing and thinking that it would be published or that it would be uh, good for anyone else to read. But just for yourself is good enough. If you just write for, to express yourself. You know, I loved the, the, um, the gentleman from the circus, Jonathan from the circus, that you know we all express. And it's wonderful to be able to express like he does with uh, the ringmaster and the projection. and the, I, I was amazed by that. But also for all of us to 
to work through our, our own own emotional problems if we have them. Well, that, that's important. So why do some people say, I can't finish what I started? It hurts me. Why? When they write, when they write, they write their life stories or they write, they can't complete the task. Anybody have a comment? <laughs> well, I can. I, I've got two books I'm working on now, and suddenly I stopped. And so help me, I cannot get started again. I've, I work a little here on it, a little there on it. One of them's about the I was brought up on a plantation. It goes from the mule pulling the plow to the John Deere, and that's what I want to capture. Oh. And I just having a problem making myself do it. Sally's working with me, but so is it sometimes the individual author, or is the topic, or is it getting too complex, or they're getting bombarded by too many things? All of the above. Wow. I think what's going on is much with most people. Uh, just from what I have seen is that uh, we do sometimes get buried, get overwhelmed. And so the idea, of course, to work with writer's block is what it's actually called, um, is to journal, you know, to work on some, some journaling, to, to go through, you know, to, to look at the reasons. You know, if I'm afraid of something, I need to understand what I'm afraid of, why I'm afraid of it, and see if I can fix it. But I, I think you, your, 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 your comment there, but also I want to tell our listener, I just thought of something, that you make one, quite a few statements that it doesn't have to be perfect the first time. Right? Or ever. And I think a lot of people that I know that are writing either their story or having their own novel, they want it so perfect. And nothing's perfect the first time. I, we had, I was telling you, Steve Barry told me it took him 89, he's an international author, took him 89 different edits of one novel, 89 before the 89th was accepted by Random House. 89 revision. I told Steve on the air, after the second one, I would have chunked it. Man. I would just start it from scratch. He says, no, I was, I was going to be persistent. It took him over two and a half years to get it through. Yeah. Well, think about the fact that your grandchild, that you just spoke about, right. could care less whether you're perfect. <laughs> That's good. Good point. Good point there. Good she point just there. wants you. And right. you're a good grandpa, or she wouldn't care about you. Oh, that's touching. That is touching. So before we get into other details here uh, about, about y'all's book, I want to emphasize and encourage our listeners out there. We, we publicized it, I believe, in the, in the Best of Times magazine. It's on my website. I've been, I've been telling people about your conference that's going to take place. Let's go into that a little bit. It's on, okay. it's on Saturday, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, mm-hmm. April the 14th. The 14th. No, no, March the March 14th. 14th mm-hmm. April. March the 14th from... 8.30 to 4. Registration begins at 8.30. This is at? at it is at LSUS in the ballroom okay. in the University wow. Center. Okay. It is co-sponsored by LSUS through the Continuing Education Department. It is also um, part of the SHRAC grant. We've been given a grant by SHRAC for this. So what our idea is is that we want people who would like to learn how to write to come to the conference and be able to be taught by... Ashley Elston, who is, would you like to, to use, say something about your biography, ma'am? Um, yeah, I actually graduated from LSUS, so it's kind of fun for me to go back there right. um, in this capacity. But I write young adult fiction, uh, so my main audience would be teens, but I do have a lot of crossover, and um, I have a lot of adults that read my books as well. But, you know, I, I didn't really start out thinking I would write for young adults. It was just, you know, like Sally says, it's the story I had to tell, and that's sort of who the main character was and and here I am you know five books later and writing for teens so yeah if you're looking to write for teens I'm 
probably could help you out. And getting movies made. And hopefully getting a movie made. So. Wow. It's okay. very exciting, yeah. That, that is, that is. So in this particular conference, you're going to, first of all, who who should come to this? Anybody. Anybody. We, are, uh, we would like the young people to come. Uh, we asked Ashley to, to speak because of, of her young adult background, you know, that she is writing young adult books. Uh, we, all also bringing, we are also bringing Farrah Rashawn up from New Orleans. She is a self-published writer, but she is also very much into commercial fiction in that she writes for the commercial publishers. Mm-hmm. And she's going to talk about how to plot, uh, how to put a book together. Wow. Um, the uh, We're going to have a writing contest, and there oh. are prizes involved. So we're going to write during that particular conference? Mm-hmm. Yes. And you turn them in, and somebody's going to evaluate them? That's right. And wow. a prize will be given at the end. Wow. Uh, we will also uh, feed everyone for the $30. It's a $30 fee. Uh, you go to the Continuing Education website. So it's ce.lsus.edu. And you prefer that they pre-register, they, they, but can they show up, Sally, on that day? Uh, no, because we, we have to take, give the food count. Oh. You know, so. uh, but you go to, the, uh, to, the, to the, that website and go to the left-hand side of the page in the yellow box, and it says conferences about halfway down. If you click on that, it'll take you directly into where you click to go to, the, to register for the conference. And hopefully we have these existing authors in the area that, that can be improving their skills mm-hmm. and learning from experts Absolutely. and learning from other authors. It's going to be like a, a peer review session, but also to give give, give some helpful hints well, on authors. Well, we do have an age be. limit. You have to be between 14 and 92. 92. Oh, well, we might take a 93-year-old if someone <laughs> just shows up. You know. That is cool. So, 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 again, what can an individual who attends this expect from the conference? A lot of information. I forgot to say that uh, to add that we also have a, an agent. She will not be on site. We're going to Skype with her from Minnesota. It's Michelle Gurgowski at the Three C's Agency, and she is an agent, uh, literary agent, and works with several of our our members. So the the literary agent would represent you to try to get it in print, but also in other mediums. Just like a realtor does, you, oh. you have someone who helps you to represent you. So uh, so. I want to ask. I want to ask Ashley. So, how did you find one? I I did the kind of the cold call cold call method. So oh. I did a bunch of research and found some agents that I hoped would want to represent me. And they they list their guidelines. And it's normally you write a query letter, which is supposed to be 250 words, a little bit about you, a little bit about your book, and maybe the first five pages of your novel, and then you sort of get prepared for a lot of rejection, um, because it's a lot of rejection. So, wait a second. You have to send them? It's like they, they just automatically want your business. Oh, no, no, no. It's oh, They're really? the gatekeepers, um, if you want to do traditional publishing. So, I mean, you could self-publish and, and you know, go a different route, but uh, to be, you know, traditionally published, you typically have to have an agent. So I went through that process probably this summer of 2011, I think, and was lucky to find an agent who would represent me, and we're still together. Uh, she's wow. been a great advocate for me. Can, can I ask where is she located? She's in London, actually. What? London? Yes. She, and would, she comes to visit you a lot. Well, we, <laughs> we just saw her in New York um, as some fellow uh 
writers that we all she represents all of us. We got together in New York oh, this past oh, month to well see that her. That's touching. Yeah, so she's that, uh, that a person from England would accept you in. Hey, that's that's an honor right there. <laughs> yeah, she's she's fantastic. I've well, been very is, lucky. That is cool. Well, hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now, work my sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and Abares Town and Country Rush Report. Your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and Abares Tunney Country Edge Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is Miss Sally Hammer, as well as Laird Evans and Miss Ashley Elston, uh, discussing writing their stories and writing their novels. So, before before we continue on here, I wanted to ask Laird. Laird, your particular book, Justice for All. By the way, I read it twice. I thought Very it was good. fascinating. It uh, and I, I will I will definitely promote it to our listeners out there again because we you were on my show God, two years ago. Yes, it's been a long time. Yes, sir. And uh, fascinating book because it's more of a history book. And I learned a lot of new things. By the way, I did research some of the topics in there to verify that it was all true. And it's it really you, you you explain some things that oh, you know wish we woulda coulda shoulda. And in the future, learn from those particular experiences as well, right? Could you say that? I would say Reagan, that, yes. the, the, the drop-down economic factor, that was I, I was not aware that it, we excluded the, that money coming to America, but rather going overseas. That's right. But, uh, Gary, first, let me say I appreciate being on your show, but my book becomes more uh interesting as time goes by and if i could take just a second yeah go ahead it starts with the old history of the teamsters union which most young people don't know about now or know about the disappearance of jimmy hoffa that's never been solved i worked during this era of time the 30-year period of time between mobsters and the teamsters union now and in that i talked about the different things that uh we saw as unions as going to be a problem. Now you have Trump <laughs> coming along, and he is saying NAFTA is terrible. He, they, everybody wants to get the minimum wage up. Well, the labor unions did it by spreading higher wages throughout the United States. We had 2 million members, not counting family and stuff. And when I got out of it, I had friends always, every time we would get together, they would want to hear stories about the Teamsters Union. And somebody talked about, well, you ought to write it down. Mm-hmm. And I got to thinking about it. So I went to a class at LSUS, and none other than Sally Hamer was teaching it. And I talked to her about it, and she thought I had a good subject. But I was timid. I didn't want anybody to see what I wrote, because I thought, <laughs> oh, this has got to be goofy. But uh, I wrote all the different stories. I carried a notebook with me and I'd write down just a subject. And later on, I'd go back and write the story behind the subject. And after I wrote the story, I pieced them all together with the help of Sally. Uh, I went back to her and actually, six years after I took her class, I went back and only, and I could remember her name because I compared it to Hammer. 
And I asked them, is there a person named Hammer? They told me, Sally, I got in touch with Sally. We've been friends ever since. She has worked very close with me. And uh, as far as me publishing a book, I'm just a storyteller. That's the way I see myself. I'm a historian also. I saved everything I could possibly have about the Teamsters because I saw it as an era in time like the old gunfighter, the old stagecoach. It was just here for a while and going to be gone. I served under eight Teamster presidents and eight U.S. presidents. So Jimmy Hoffa Jr. has been president since 2001 when I got out, and I was served under eight of them. So wow. uh, that was a big turnover, of course, mostly by the government and uh, Rudy Giuliani, as a matter of fact. And I put those stories together, and I've had people actually with our Teamsters pension funds in Chicago who bought a book and called me back and said, I never knew that. (laughs) I did a lot of research, and uh, I had to change a lot of things because the publisher, because of the nature of the book, and talking about certain characters, that it could be a problem. Sally would straighten that out for me, and uh, and and that's how I got through it. And I, I'm very pleased with it because with Trump in office now, and he's fighting everything, the illegal aliens that were taking our jobs, Ronald Reagan's trickle-down economics that took all of our jobs. And uh, like you said, you read the book, and you see where we were just losing jobs. And, and the higher wages, we could have had more higher wages, that, but, but things were... were, there, were they're, they're saying now minimum wages, but with people scattered from uh, floor tip of Florida, South Louisiana to California, we were raising wages. And when you raise the wages, people got more money to go buy, the, the blue-collar worker. And when they buy more, the stores will sell more, and they will purchase more to sell. You put more truck drivers on the road, bringing it from New York, Chicago, down to Shreveport, Louisiana, and it, it, it did very well. But nobody would listen to a union, especially the Teamsters back then. But we, we And I saw. thought the other, the, the safeguards that the unions provided its members through pension and through striking rights, that was that was exceptionally smart. I yes. mean, people don't even think about that. No. Uh, I, I try to cover that in my book. We had holi- we, we got holidays for people, uh, vacations for people, uh, overtime after eight hours for people, safe working conditions. Everything that they're trying to do now, they would not take any advice from us when the Patco strike come about. They fired, Ronald Reagan fired 17,000 PATCO members. They didn't handle their strike right, but they were saying we're wore out. We're, we're <laughs> suffering from fatigue. And you know that uh, in the Shreveport paper, they come along and issued, uh, had an article saying that the FAA finally admitted that their people are suffering from chronic fatigue. The same thing they went on strike about back in the days of Ronald Reagan. That is that is amazing. So, again, his book is it's self-published. Tell our listeners, it's self-published. Yes. So you yes. can go through an agent. You went through a library. You went through a writing coach, Miss Sally here, yes. to help sure you is. put it all together. You might have had all those thoughts, but you had to tweak it a little bit. Oh, yeah. 
we had to. Uh, there's some of those. Some of the guys in this book don't want stories told. So this is the Teamsters back in the colorful days of the Teamsters. <laughs> and uh, one person, for instance, the pardons down in Baton Rouge. Uh, I had to get it cleared five times to put a story in the article. Just uh, one paragraph. Yes, I'm... So. Okay, so a sidetrack. What do you what do you think of the movie? Uh, the movie was it pretty accurate? Pretty accurate. And if you read my book, yes, <laughs> you, right. you will pick up on these names. I did. That I, they. That's used. what I when I saw so the you're movie. Talking about the Irishman. The, the Irishman. Yeah. Yes. The Irishman. And uh, they called Bugliamo uh, Bugliamo McGee. That was his nickname. That was what they called him. And I just heard it one time in the movie. Um, I heard Ed Pardon mm-hmm. uh, out right. of Baton Rouge. Rouge. He was in the movie. All these guys that were in the movie, I've either met, dealt with, did business with. Chucky O'Brien. Yeah. Chucky O'Brien uh, died about three weeks ago, but he's Hoffa's stepson or foster son. They would not let me use that in the book. I had to say. Uh, a family, I think we used a family friend. As family friend, because, because there was a falling because he out. Was alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the I, ones that were dead were easier to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I donated all the stuff I collected to George Washington State University oh. and the Teamsters International Union. I nice. used to pick up everything that I possibly could. Uh, that that's no longer around, and and I have it all, and. Uh, I sent it up there and went to visit it not long ago and look at it. Oh, that, it. that is awesome. So, again, there is a possibility at this conference you're going to learn about self-publishing and yes. how to start how to start your thoughts and then a little game plan. And I think his, 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 what he's telling us is he wrote it in different phases of stories and put all the stories Absolutely. together. You don't, have to write the, you, do. you don't have to write it from A to Z, That's right? right? You That's do right. the little pieces and blend them together. That's right. Well, how, Ashley, how do you write? Um, now that I've, I've been with the same publisher and the same editor since the beginning, so I write on what they call proposal now. I, we get what does to, that mean? Well, get, so my first book, I had to complete the first book you know, before they would buy it. They had to see it from start to finish. And now I just have to kind of give them an idea uh, what I'm thinking about writing. We talk about <coughs> where I would go with it, um, and they say do it. And so then I, I kind of, I'm under contract at that point, deadline and everything. Uh, so, you know, usually four or five months they give me to write the first draft. Um, I'm kind of what you call a panster. Um, I don't really plot it out too closely. I give myself the freedom to change as I go. Oh, surprises. Huh? So I, I may, you know, I may know where I'm trying to end up, but I'm not exactly sure how I'm getting there. So, so did, we didn't even mention your novels. Your yeah. novels is The Rules for Disappearing? That was the first one. Um, the first two books got? were duologies, The Rules for rules for Disappearing and The Rules for Breaking. And you, got, you were a finalist in the Best Young Adult Novel Category International Thriller Awards. Yes, that was pretty exciting. It was in New York City, and my husband and I went up there. It was a big fancy dinner, but I did not win. But Stephen King didn't hmm. win in his category either, so I'm okay <laughs> with it. Wow, but yeah. I'd still be that's proud. You no, know, it was it was very exciting, and you know, my first book out, and I'm the, I'm there in a room with people that you know I've read all, all their, their books, books, and oh. it was it was okay. So very then, intimidating. So then your big one is 
10 blind, ten blind dates. dates. So, yeah, so I've, I spent Give about... Give a little bit of snippet of that. Yeah, well, I spent 10 years writing mystery and thrillers, and then somehow I wrote this rom-com set at Christmas time, which okay. I don't really know where it came from. But <laughs> it's basically about um, a girl. She's halfway through her senior year of high school and beginning of Christmas break, and she breaks up with her boyfriend for good reason, but she's left sort of brokenhearted and having to spend the the two-week break at her grandparents' house. It's set in Shreveport. And so the grandmother, it's a big family, lots of aunts and uncles and cousins. And the grandmother, because she is in everybody's business, decides <laughs> we can help her get over this broken heart. Surely we know some cute boys. Oh. And so if you can imagine um, who some of your older family members would think would be a good match <laughs> for you, that's what happens so to my ba- poor Sophie. Yes. So she's the matchmaker. Yeah. Trying to be. Trying okay, to be. Cool. And so, you all know. Different, all different guy kind of guys. It is. And, you know, you So think, what did you, are these real people that you thought, or did you make up guys? No, I, they're all made up. I, I did meet my husband on a blind date, Ooh. so that um, may have played into the, the idea of this just a bit, but no. But you won't tell him which one it is. <laughs> no, <that. laughs> no, you know, this was really, it was just kind of a side project I was working on that was fun. I really did not anticipate that my publisher would, would want it because I felt like I had been branded as a mystery and thriller writer, and here this was, you know, kind of a silly rom-com. So, so, so which surprising. one is possibly going to be a movie? This one. So this one, you know, that I didn't think anybody would want, you know, Disney wanted it, so that's my, you know, became my fifth book, and then we started getting a lot of international um, interest, so we just sold to our 24th country last awesome. week, which was Bulgaria, and then the production group that did To All the Boys I've Loved Before on Netflix mm-hmm. has optioned it for film. Wow, so awesome. from what I understand, they're working on the screenplay right now. And taking your premise, that is so awesome. Yes. It's wow. really um, well, shocking, the whole thing. It's pretty shocking. So, Well, thank you for joining. Thank you for giving well, us thank that, you for rest, having that, me. that rest of the story as well. That is, yeah. well, that is I'm very proud of you. Well, thank you so much. From the Shreveport Bossier area. And Sue, from LSUS, you never know. So what was your major? It was English literature, not writing. Just, I like to read. So, you know, of course, my dad's like, what are you going to do with that? I'm like, well, I don't know. So now you are. Now, inspiring. Yeah. Gary, mm-hmm. may I say one thing? Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Ashley said she had a contract with Disney. I would like the world to know that all of Disney from the East Coast to the West Coast are under Teamster contract. <laughs> oh, okay. Give them, give them that extra plug there. <laughs> Mickey Mouse is a Teamster. Well, thank you for joining us here on the Best of Times Radio. Good luck to you, Sally, again. Thank, thank you, so you again much. for writing the article. We hope that you've touched one or more or many thousands of our listeners out there to, to continue writing their stories and um, writing their life stories here. now. And also... For healing purposes, I, I agree. Your article focused on healing. It does heal when you write down the thoughts and you diary, journal. Uh, I mean, I, I've seen it hap, hap, I've seen it happen, and I've seen the impact of it as well. And I've actually done some of that too as well. So, thank you for joining us today. You are wonderful, great, inspiring people. Three people here that are really going to inspire our our listeners out there to write more, read more, and write more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and A-Bears down in Country Coast Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. 